Father, please stand up. The real Matt Kelly, please stand up. I heard a rumor that some imposter was fake streaming while muted. Well, that couldn't have been me. Uh, I'm the king of the stream. I am the Podfather. I would never stream muted. That's not a thing that I would ever do. This is a stream that is working. This is a stream that is healthy. And this is the top 10 takeaways from week three. That's right. That's right. That's right. Number one, let's get right into it, baby. Let's get right into it. What's number one? Shootouts are king. That's right. The shootouts are king. You want shootouts. And no better shootout than Dallas-Seattle. We had three touchdowns from Tyler Lockett, get-right game from Michael Gallup, and the most uneven game I've ever seen from DK Metcalf where he had that ball punched out at the one-yard line. Just he pulled, he went full Deshaun Jackson, and then he totally redeemed himself. He totally redeemed himself with a touchdown late to win it. So that's all anyone's going to remember. Oh, look at DK Metcalf with a touchdown to win the game when he had the lost touchdown that would have cost them the game earlier. And the same succession of events happened to Anthony Miller, where Anthony Miller dropped a touchdown during their comeback. And he so he basically delayed the comeback, and then he actually secured the touchdown to win it. So. DK Metcalf, I don't know how they do it. Like I, I'm so impressed with professional athletes. I would be so demoralized if I were them. Like if I'm Anthony Miller, like my career is in the balance, right? I'm 26 years old. I've never broken out, and now in week two, I'm out snapped and I run fewer routes than Darnell Mooney. Out snapped and ran fewer routes again in week three, by the way, and I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to perform. And for him to to deliver at the end of the game with all the eyeballs on him, uh, the lights were bright, right? The pressure was on, and no one was no one had more pressure on him at that moment than Anthony Miller, and he squeezed the football. Same thing with DK Metcalf; like he was embarrassed. The pressure was on, and he squeezed the football. So these these professional athletes, I'm not that good. I'm not that good at sports. They I can't do what they do. Like in in those pressurized situations for them to rise up and, and be that good it, it's just it's a marvel to behold and it's a marvel to behold that Howie Roseman could have drafted DK Metcalf and instead drafted JJ Arcega Whiteside and JJ Arcega Whiteside had yet another chance to rise up in week 3 with no Jalen Rager uh, no Dallas Goddard for the majority of the game no Deshaun Jackson as of the second half so for 3 quarters without Deshaun Jackson and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was out-snapped and out-targeted by Deontay Burnett and Greg Ward and John Hightower. And John Hightower, incidentally, led all wide receivers in snaps and routes. So John Hightower is a wide receiver to stash in Philadelphia because it's just the, it is the walking dead in that wide receiver corpse, right? Corpse, wide receiver corpse, right? It's C-O-R-P-S-E. Get it? Get it? It's not a core, it's a corpse. It's good. It's not Whiteside. Whatever it is, whoever it is, it's never going to be J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And that's on Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman, that's on you forever. 
You traded up for Carson Wentz. That's on you. You let Nick Foles go. That's on you. You traded up to get in front of the Texans to get Andre Dillard. He's not good. That's on you. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. That's on you! So I don't know. I don't know if Howie Roseman can survive the season. We'll see. Can Dan Quinn survive the season in Atlanta? I, I don't know. I don't know. A 99% win probability against the Patriots in the Super Bowl and blow it, right? And then a 98% chance of winning in Week 2, blow it. And then in Week 3, blow it, right? So 99%, 98%, and then 99% win probability, and you blow it, you blow it, you blow it. I don't believe in choking. I don't believe in choking, but come on. I mean, I don't believe in choking, but come on, man. You're up 26-10 in the fourth quarter against the Bears at home. Come on, man. Come on. In the same week, Matt Patricia gets the win. So Matt Patricia gets the win. Dan Quinn loses in the most epic fashion you've ever seen since the week before. <laughs> and then going back to the Super Bowl, it's like the Super Bowl curse that 28-3 game up 28-3 against the Patriots to lose that. I mean, that was spectacular. And you would think that would be the worst loss in, in NFL history. And it is because of the circumstances, but uh... <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not an Eagles fan. And I'm glad I'm not a Falcons fan. I, it's just, I'm, I feel bad for you. I, you feel bad for them. I mean, the probability of losing the Super Bowl like they did and then losing in two consecutive games with a 98 and 99% win probability, respectively, I don't know how to calculate those odds. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. It, 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 it's such a crazy outlier choke job. Like, just, you can't believe it. Like, I don't believe in choking. But, but these Falcons, I mean... They're making me believers. They're making me a believer. Maybe, maybe there are teams that are just predisposed to choking. And that, that, that's uh, that's the Falcons. I don't know. I've already lost track of the takeaways. I think we've had three takeaways already. I'm still on takeaway one. According to my show sheet, my notes, I I, I didn't order it very well. We have a lot of takeaways. It's not a top ten. I know top ten takeaways, but it's really just a lot of takeaways. That's that's really all it is. And by the way, uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, higher than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside on the breakout finder for one very specific reason, athleticism. Because athleticism matters in athletics and specifically to wide receivers. Similar prospects, D.K. Metcalf produced at an earlier age than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but they ended up producing at a similar level overall in terms of dominator rating and size. But the big difference between the two prospects was the speed score, the size-adjusted speed that DK Metcalf brought to the table meant that you had to pick him where the Eagles were drafting in the second round last year, and they blew it. They blew it. And I have the breakout finder here, and congratulations to D uh, T. Higgins. T. Higgins, nice little breakout, nice little week one breakout. It doesn't count as a breakout in the breakout finder. You need to log a 1,000-yard season to have technically broken out, but, 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 but he's on his way. T. Higgins on his way. He actually outsnapped. A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. He didn't outproduce Tyler Boyd by any, you know, but I would snapped him. It's impressive. It's impressive. And I'm looking at the top five. I have my phone. Breakout Finder in the App Store on Google Play. Breakout Finder. And we have here uh, number one, uh, C.D. Lamb. 
And then the rest of the top five is LaVisca Chenault, Brian Edwards, T. Higgins, Jalen Rager. So it's looking good. The breakout finder looking good. Ah, notice who's not on there, Henry Ruggs. Sorry. sorry. Not sorry. Not sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. Observation number two, blowouts are bad. So we have on this side, we have uh, shootouts. Shootouts are good. And then we over here, we have blowouts. Blowouts are bad. You don't believe me? Ask Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, had he not scored uh, two one-yard touchdowns. <laughs> Crazy, right? Jarek McKinnon. I mean, Jarek McKinnon would have gone nuclear had the Giants been competitive. Leonard Fournette would have produced had the Broncos not been starting Jeff Driscoll. Uh, without Philip Lindsay and without Cortland Sutton, but I mean, what the Jets were putting out there against the Colts. I mean, if you're Frank Reich, you're not playing Jonathan Taylor in the second half. You're playing Jordan Wilkins because you're going up against Sam Darnold without Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman, like that matters, Denzel Mims. I mean, <laughs> there's nobody. Braxton Barrios. And shame on Josh Malone for his no-show. Josh Malone, come on, man. Come on, man. You commanded some targets and were relatively productive in week two. Where were you? Come on. Shame on you. Shame on these fringe wide receivers that no one cares about. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Josh Malone. Now, you might think, oh, well, Zach Pascal, he ran more routes. He logged a lot more snaps than Michael Pittman. But I would argue that Michael Pittman still had more snaps than T.Y. Hilton, that it was the Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton were the, the starting personnel package, and then they just took all these guys off the field and put the, all the sports cars in the garage for the fourth quarter. No T.Y. Hilton, no Jonathan Taylor. Same thing with Tampa, right? Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, not available to be played in the fourth quarter because it's it's over. Like They're salting the game away against backup quarterbacks, against you know, fringe skill position players. You need to be careful. You need to be careful playing running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, walking into blowouts. If you suspect a blowout and you're making a decision between a player on a team that could end up on technically the wrong side of a blowout is the side where you're doing the blowing. Like if you're blowing the other team out of the water, then a lot of your skill position guys aren't even going to be on the field in the fourth quarter. And that is bad for fantasy football. Whereas if you have another scenario where, oh, this might be a shootout, like we saw with, with a, a tepid shootout between the Bengals and the Eagles, that you might lean on a guy like a, a Tyler Boyd or a Joe Burrow. So we were very fortunate that on the DFS lineup genius, we focused on what we thought would be the, the true shootouts. It was Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, but also if you had to pivot off those two at quarterback and stack up another team... We chose Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd. So we had a lineup with Burrow, Boyd, and Austin Eckler that performed very well on DraftKings, I believe. So we hit the pay line and smashed the pay line on a number of tournament lineups. All of those with Dak and, and Russell Wilson performed very well. So we were in the black again uh, in DFS. The lineup genius is on fire. And so go there now, go to playerprofiler.com, check out the lineup genius, and you can see our top 10 lineups for tournaments, uh, top five lineups for cash on both FanDuel and DraftKings. 
and they have been more than paying for themselves and smashing so far this year. So it's all house money for the rest of the season because of the DFS lineup changes. And observation number three, be careful fading the chalk, especially the best chalk. And the best possible chalk was you had the Cowboys, which is a prolific offense against a weak defense. And you had the Seahawks, prolific offense against a weak defense. And playing those teams and the teams facing those teams is usually a good idea. But then when those two teams face off against each other, it's like it's the best possible scenario in a week where the Packers, the Saints, the Ravens, and the Chiefs were not on the slate. So it's one thing to pivot off that game, that chalk shootout. If there's another shootout looming, we thought it might be Eagles-Bengals. It didn't exactly deliver. There was nothing else. Process of elimination meant you had to play or overweight on Seahawks, Cowboys, and DFS. This wasn't the week to fade the chalk. There are some weeks where it makes sense to fade the chalk, where you have a competitive potential shootout that's being underappreciated. That would be the week. This just wasn't the week to fade the chalk shootout. If you had to pick a guy to put at the top of your lineup that wasn't Russ, that wasn't Dak, We chose Joe Burrow, and we chose correctly because Joe Burrow is for real. That's observation number four. Joe Burrow, 31 of 44, 312 yards, no interceptions in five quarters. Five quarters, not four quarters. Against a ferocious front seven, sacked him eight times. So let me get this straight. Joe Burrow has faced a Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, and the Eagles' ferocious seven. And... He's been exceeding expectations at every step of the way. He gets sacked eight times, does not fumble, and does not throw an interception. No turnovers. He's a rookie. It's week three, and he's already rising up the dynasty rankings every week. He just keeps climbing, keeps climbing, keeps climbing because he's very much for real, and he is very young, and he is a sneaky Konami QB, so he's a tactical scrambler. He has weapons. The team is only going to improve around him. So if he ends up supplanting, say, Deshaun Watson at some point, don't be surprised. Just keep watching those dynasty rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings. Could happen. It could happen. So watch out. He's so good. He's so impressive. And I want to set the record straight with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has looked great. The box score is not impressive. The fantasy points aren't there, but that doesn't mean he hasn't looked great. He's been strong. He's been elusive as a runner. He's been dynamic in space as a receiver. And Giovanni Bernard, three touches in five quarters. So child, please get out of here with Giovanni Bernard. There's no concerns about Giovanni Bernard. He is a one-dimensional satellite back. The schedule does soften up for Joe Mixon. It's going to happen. He just happened to be stacked up on the road against some difficult defenses, the Chargers, the Eagles, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's not going to get great. It's a difficult schedule overall for the season. They have to face Pittsburgh twice. They have to face Baltimore twice. It's a bad schedule. This is going to be an up-and-down season because of the schedule and all the smothering defenses that the Bengals face throughout the season. But Joe Mixon in a vacuum, is an excellent all-purpose running back. He is still young, and he is very valuable in Dynasty, so do not email me upset that you drafted Joe Mixon. If you drafted Joe Mixon, congratulations. He's healthy. He has an intact ACL on each knee, and he looks great. The fantasy points will come. Be patient and shut up. 
and don't email me again. Observation number six, defenses and offenses matter, right? So ideally, you have a weak defense against a strong offense. That's what the Cowboys and the Seahawks were facing. Like, oh, I get a weak defense and there's a strong offense on the other side. That's best possible scenario. That's why that was a best of the chalk scenario, best chalk scenario you could possibly draw up in chalk. <laughs> Seahawks Cowboys on Sunday. So in that way, defense matters. Sometimes it the defense matters in that if your defense is weak, then you'll end up scoring more fantasy points. That's another way that defenses matter. The weak defense of the Seahawks drives up the fantasy scoring of Russell Wilson and the same is true for Dak Prescott. They have to throw the ball to be competitive. So in that way, defenses matter. And in another nuanced way, defenses matter in that you can play the cornerback wide receiver matchups. On any given player page on playerprofiler.com, we show the cornerback matchup and you can see A.J. Green matched up with Darius Slate. And that's really bad because on our cornerback rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings, we have cornerback rankings. And you can see, oh, wow, Darius Slay is excellent. And he has tremendous advanced metrics, pass breakups, top coverage rating, and that's why he's a top five cornerback. And then you look across the other side of the field, Nickel Roby Coleman is ranked number 110, match up with Tyler Boyd. And then Tyler Boyd has the best game of 2020. And that was predictable. That was predictable because you can see where the alpha corner is. And if there is a wide disparity between the alpha corner and the secondary corner, then you want to target the wide receiver matched up with the secondary corner per player profile or player pages heading into Sunday. So that's something to monitor. That is a great hack is to find those cornerback differentials between the CB1 and CB2 and then target the wide receiver matched up with the CB2. And you have to feel bad for Matt Patricia. You feel good if you're Matt Patricia. You're not going to be the first coach fired because we know that's going to be Dan Quinn, the choker. But it doesn't look good for Matt Patricia. And one of the reasons why is they let Darius Slay go. It would be great if they had both Slay and Akuda, but you let Slay go. Slay single-handedly kept the Eagles in it by knocking passes away from A.J. Green and, and just smothering him the entire game. I mean, he was just... Oof, it was impressive. It was it, it was truly impressive to watch him harass A.J. Green, make life difficult for A.J. Green. This also tells me that A.J. Green is going to have weeks. A.J. Green going up against soft corners, I think, will perform well, especially with Joe Burrow just developing, growing, getting better, improving every single week. I think that A.J. Green could be in for a an impressive second half, but again, they face the Ravens twice. They face the Steelers twice. So the schedule is going to depress the output of every member of this Bengals offense. But I still think that A.J. Green will have weeks, just like Joe Mixon will have weeks. So I'm not pushing the panic button on A.J. Green or Joe Mixon in seasonal leagues. Observation number seven, uh, running backs matter, especially in fantasy football, right? Alvin Kamara, 139 yards receiving on 13 receptions and two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, 181 yards in a touchdown. Henry went over 100 with two. Chubb over 100 with a touchdown. Eckler, 140 all-purpose yards in a touchdown. Aaron Jones, 15-plus fantasy points. James Conner, over 100 in a touchdown. And even Jonathan Taylor, with a bad game, gave you at least 12 fantasy points. 
What do all those running backs have in common? Well, you've just run into observation number seven. Robust RB! Robust RB's looking great! Robust RB. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Robust RB. (laughs) So most of the running backs you were drafting in rounds one and two that have intact ACLs and ankles are exceeding expectations. In a week where Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, and Michael Thomas don't play. Can you imagine? There would be a week, not even late in the season, like week three, if I told you, Adams, Jones, Thomas, all don't play. Tease up pretty nicely for Robust RB, especially when I tell you that those wide receivers drafted in rounds four through seven, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, Michael Gallup, Keenan Allen, Tyler Boyd, smash, 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 smash. Robust RB. And more rookies are breaking out slowly but surely. More rookies are breaking out. More rookies are breaking out. Oh, yes. Rookies are breaking out. Justin Jefferson, 175 yards and a touchdown. Wow. Brandon Ayuk, 70 yards and a rushing touchdown. Gabriel Davis. Now, now, John Brown was hurt. So John Brown missed the second half. Gabriel Davis delivered, though. 81 yards, four for four. He drew a monumental bullshit pass interference call that was just absurd. I mean, that cost the Rams the game. Good for Gabriel Davis. I mean, it was a veteran move by the rookie to draw the pass interference. It was not pass interference. Rams should have won that game. Josh Allen now on an MVP trajectory, except Russell Wilson is the leader in the clubhouse by far and away. But if not for Russell Wilson, then, oh, this whole Josh Allen MVP would be getting some traction. So thank God for Russell Wilson. Thank you. Thank you, Russ. Thank you. Thank you. This is looking like an excellent rookie wide receiver class. Highly encouraged by this Gabriel Davis performance and the Ayuk performance. And, of course, the Jefferson performance now. Rager's hurt, right? Jerry Judy was heavily targeted, but... He's not 100%. K.J. Hamler was on the field for a significant snap share and route participation rate. So we have a lot of rookies performing well, and those that aren't are hurt. So this rookie class is trending toward exceeding expectation. That is great. Observation number 10, touchdown upside is easier to find at running back than receiving upside. Receiving upside is so difficult to find because so few... Running backs are capable of it. You have an Austin Eckler, second-round pick, because that was a known known that Austin Eckler is fantastic in the passing game, super efficient, especially in that phase of the game, and that's why he's so valuable. Same reason why Alvin Kamara is so valuable and Aaron Jones is so valuable. But finding exceptional receiving skills at running back elsewhere, outside those first few rounds, is why Robust RB was the key to fantasy drafts. It's easier to find that touchdown upside where you have a fringe running back that you play in flex just because oh no James White well I guess Rex Burkhead's going to be James White this week and what does Rex Burkhead do oh he scores three touchdowns right so it's much easier to identify and find touchdown upside and that should be a heavier focus in the offseason looking for touchdown upside as opposed to scouring the earth and mining all these receiving advanced metrics looking for 
shapes in the clouds for which running back will command more targets when running back targets are often situational and game plan driven and outside a few running backs that we know to have wide receiver skill sets, it's incredibly difficult to project running back passing game usage. So a big takeaway from the summer was that with not enough attention trained on touchdown upside for guys like a Nick Chubb and too much emphasis on running back receiving skills, which are difficult to find and measure and are oftentimes not sticky year to year outside just a handful of truly elite receivers at the running back position outside those guys projecting significant target shares and receiving production is fleeting if not futile bonus observation bonus observation this is going to be a week to hold back your fab now we have the waiver wired show coming up tomorrow and i am tamping down expectations on tomorrow's show so i am neutering all the excitement and anticipation for tomorrow's show by telling you in advance spoiler alert there's no one you really want right when Khalif Raymond and Cedric Wilson are the big waiver wire breakout wide receivers from week three. This probably the week, probably going to be the week to hold back your fab and look forward to week four, five, six, when ideally a true workhorse running back becomes available on waiver wire. Look forward to that. Just won't be this week.